The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. And I'm joined this evening by Michael Begram, Practicing Managing Partner at Begram's Attorneys Labour Law Specialist. So you gather we're talking tonight about labour law. Michael, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, good evening. And thank you for having me on this nice chilly evening. Mm, nice and warm cool. here in the studio. But it's so nice that winter's on the way. I really enjoy the cooler weather. Right, we've got quite a number of emails to get through tonight. But you can call us in the meantime on 0892 10 2010. You can leave your number with my producer and we'll call you back during the course of the show. Well, let's just dash straight into the emails. First one from Elton. He says, first of all, he wants to know if you can, <coughs> excuse me, have some more information regarding sickness because he says he's been diagnosed with TB and now more recently with chronic bronchitis. He works in a lab environment with sewage and trade effluent. He's working in local government and doesn't want to make racial statements, but in my employment, I'm victimized, discriminated, and having served as a shop steward, I need more information. What is at my disposal, he says. Well, this is the normal sick leave uh, requirements in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. Sick leave is calculated in terms of Section 22 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, and you calculate that in terms of a cycle over a three-year cycle, um, and during that three-year cycle, an employee is entitled to amount of paid sick leave equal to the number of, the day, of days the employee would normally work during a period of six weeks. However, he's looking, I think, a little bit further. He's describing quite serious diseases, and he might be able to be boarded if he belongs to the pension fund, and he needs to investigate that properly. Um, there's two parts to that question because it also looks like he's being discriminated against because he was a shop steward, which has got nothing to do with his sick leave. Mm. They might be using that as a tool to get to him. I think also what he's talking about is the environment in which he works. Yeah, correct. It's not that Correct, but that, that he can actually report that to the Department of Labor and they investigate uh, whether, in fact, he is in a, an environment which is not conducive and they would then condemn it or make suggestions as to what... And they, actually, the department's quite good with that especially if someone complains about an environment. I know that I had a case recently where a fellow picked up Legionnaire's disease, and I'm not really sure what that is, but they it worked out, the department, that it had come from the air conditioning Yes, system. there was a case, I think the first recorded case, if I'm correct, was in at some convention in America when all the, the people that were actually at this hotel started dropping like flies and they couldn't figure out, they thought no. it was something in the food and it turned out to be something in the air conditioning. Okay, but this, this Legionnaires came from the air mm. conditioning, they investigated it, they found the source and they put an end to it. So it was good that the man spoke up and here in this case he's working with chemicals um, it's actually important for him to speak up because all his colleagues are going to suffer as well. Some people are more prone to disease than others, but still it's not good for anyone. So it's good that he speaks up, and I think it is worthwhile looking at the Department of Labor. Let them come and investigate. He might be saving a lot of people a lot of suffering. Right, and also the boarding thing, he can look into that. Absolutely. If, yeah. if this is possibly something that's led to him being chronically, constantly ill. 
Right, next email was from Nomalunga. It says, I was recently released from work and my former employer and I came to a settlement agreement. Um, there was a, she's, a Nomalunga sent through a copy. It was quite a long thing. But according to the third clause, I understood that my 13th salary would be paid in full. However, I only received a pro-rated amount in December, which I then queried with a former employer, and they are adamant that this clause states that the 13th cheque would be pro-rated. Okay, there once again, that obviously is up to interpretation of the agreement, but those agreements can be interpreted by the CCMA, the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration. You can refer an unfair labor practice to them to say that this has not been correct. The CCMA would look at that and possibly interpret it. There will be argument that it might have to go to the labor court, but it must go via the CCMA. But now the problem is that... Um if this happened in December, the 13th salary, um, we're now in May. Yes, but we've still got time. It's six months for that particular referral. So they need to referral. move themselves now. They must, mm. she, she's just in time and she must move quickly. Okay, so the CCMA is the next step for yeah. that. Okay. Uh, Quinton says, can CISA still represent, in brackets, in-house, the employer if they are deregistered at the CCMA? Yeah, CISA was an employer, a registered employer's organization. I think they've been deregistered uh, as an employer's organization. Like trade unions represent employees, employers' organizations represent employers, but they have to be registered with the Department of Labor in order to, re to represent uh, the parties. Um, if, in fact, CISA is representing at a disciplinary hearing in-house, then that employee could then get an external representative as well. Because Quinton says they're deregistered at the CCMA. They are deregistered at mm. the CCMA, but uh, you can bring in an external party to represent you at an internal hearing. And then, of course, what is good for the goose is good for the gander. So therefore, he could bring in either a trade union or an attorney, for that matter, to represent him. It depends very much on the terms and conditions of their disciplinary code that they've got there. Um, the CCMA are obviously an organization that's got rules and regulations, which you'll find on your website. Um, but those rules will tell you that you have to be registered to represent at the CCMA. But you don't have to be registered to represent outside the CCMA. But unfortunately, many employers say, we're bringing in an organization like CISA and we're not allowing you as an employee to have your own representative. That's not fair and that makes the disciplinary inquiry unfair. The, of course, what also happens is many employees see the chairperson as brought in by the employer and they say the chairperson is representing the employer, but that's not correct. The chairperson is supposed to be completely independent and also objective. In other words, not representing the employer or the employee that's and that might be sourced by CISA. That doesn't mean that they're represented by anyone. They might have their own management representing him, and therefore they would argue that the employee must have a fellow employee or a shop steward come and representing represent the employee. Okay, so the answer to that question is yes, CISA can still represent. They can still represent, but then they must allow him. External. To have his own external yeah. representation. Right, so Tunya says, My pay slip does not reflect the leave days I have accumulated, and if I take a day off, it's deducted from my leave days. All I want to know is if it's right the way it is, even though I work six days a week. No, in terms of the basic conditions of Employment Act, you are, in fact, um, not only entitled, but you must have 
a running total of how much sick leave you and you should be or able any to see leave. It. He says yeah. leave days, and yeah. leave days. You must see what it is, and you must have access to it on your payslip every month. Every month. That's the one thing. But when person takes off a day of sick, then it does get deducted. That's obviously no. He doesn't have a problem with that. He's just saying it gets taken off, but he says it doesn't reflect the leave days. He's on his pay. It slip. should be reflected, and uh, basic conditions of employment access must be reflected. So that's wrong, and that can be complained again. My suggestion is make the complaint to the Department of Labour. Don't say give them your name, give them the name of the company, and they'll probably come in and correct all the pay slips for everyone, which will make it a lot easier for all the colleagues to have access to what, in fact, leave they have outstanding to them. Um, employers are wrong not to reflect that on the payslip. That's full stop. Another leave question from Maria says, Last year I did not take my 21 days of annual leave. Do I forfeit this leave? Well, that's a problem, and there's been lots of court cases on it. Uh, people are supposed to take their annual leave annually. That's why it's there. And the government, specifically in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, says that you must take your leave annually. However, in terms of practice at the workplace, people often carry that leave over to the next year, the annual leave. You should, however, by agreement, say that I'm going to take it within six months of the next cycle. Next cycle, in other words, the next annual cycle. Um, you should take the full amount every year. And the employers often say, well, we can't afford you to go. Uh, we would rather pay you out. That's not acceptable. Or we can't afford you to go and you each, and then they carry it over for three or four years. Be careful. You're going to forfeit it if you try and claim that at the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, Arbitration. They'll say it's been forfeited. So don't play with your leave. Rather take it. People need to recover every year from their hard work and they should have their leave. Um, the entitlement is to take your leave once a year. Yes, they do say you can fold it over about six months into the next cycle, uh, but it must be done by agreement. Okay, so this does not necessarily mean that she's forfeited no, this leave. No, <clears throat> but I would tell her now, take that leave. Don't play with it because there's going to be a lot of tears when the employer comes forward and says it's now been forfeited. Right, so Piwe wants to know, he wants it broken down in more detail. He wants to know what a minimum wage is for security officers and as this varies through the grades. Yes, it does. I don't have it at my <clears throat> fingertips, and my suggestion is that he gets hold of the Security Industry Regulatory Authority, CIRA. They have, and it says seven or eight types of grades. They have it, and it gets changed every year, and it's actually set, and minimum wage is set. So it, it's and it's a specialised area of the labour law. Uh, my suggestion is that he gets hold of them or through his union. Most of the security companies are unionised. He'll be a member of the union. The union will know what the latest, whatever his grade is, and whatever times he's working, because it also depends if you're working on a weekend or night shift or whatever. Those minimum wages vary, uh, but there is a minimum wage, and unfortunately. Through my experience over the last 30 years, many of the security companies get it wrong. So it is worth his while investigating and checking out. So CIRA, which is the CIRA, organization. The Security Industry Regulatory Authority. Okay. 
Right, Diop says, I'm a builder, sometimes work for a contractor. I've done some work for the contractor. She, she did not pay me for that. It was almost two months of work. I'm a site foreman, but the problem is I never had an agreement on how much she will pay me a day or a, per month. It's been almost a year now and this person hasn't paid me. Do I have any way to claim this? I also want to know if you have any document regarding this issue. Please send it to me. Yeah, what we mm. could do is we could get the document. It depends which province. Um, I just have can, a cell phone uh, number, okay. so I don't know. Well, there are bargaining councils for the building industry. I know here in the Cape, in the Cape province, we have the Bargaining Industry Building Council, BIBC. They have an agreement that has been before the employer and the employees um, through the trade unions. The BIBC have rates of employment, depends what position he holds. My suggestion is that he, he gets hold. He says he was a site foreman. Yeah, my my suggestion is that he gets hold of the BIBC uh, in whatever province he's in. Most of the provinces do have cover from the various building industry bargaining councils, and they will tell him what he's entitled to. And it does not he it because it's a year now doesn't mean that he's lost out on it. This is salary it's owed to him. He should be able to get it with if he comes forward within three years. And he says he never had an agreement on how much the contractor was going to pay per day or per month. Doesn't matter because they have minimum. So he'll okay. get the minimum, whatever the minimum is. But he should actually lodge the complaint. He's worked. And if you work, you're entitled to get paid. And that's the bottom line. I mean, it's often employers say, if I'm paying you, I'm entitled to get your work. Here's the opposite, where the employer didn't pay, but pushed him to work, work yeah. uh, that's called slavery so okay. my my strong suggestion is that he gets hold of the building industry bargaining council the closest one to him and gets an inspector to investigate and to pursue the payment of his wages right matomi says my employer does not deduct provident fund is this within the law yes it is a provident fund is not a, a prerequisite uh, as yet in south africa they are, in fact, the Department of Labor is investigating an overall provident fund for all employees. It's not law yet. I think we're still a few years away from that. Unless, of course, the business belongs to a building industry bargaining council or a clothing industry bargaining one of the bargaining councils, the bargaining councils do, in fact, have funds. And that is compulsory deduction. But it sounds like in this case he's not belonging to a in industry. Yeah, it just doesn't say what, what kind no, of well industry then, or then work. It just my employer does not deduct provident Correct. fund. Yeah. So if is if he does actually have a, a bargaining council, they should be doing it. They should be doing it, and then you might find he's not registered, and then there's a bigger problem. Okay, so maybe we should just find out some more information about that. Correct. Okay. Sikin Seko says, My principal forged my signature and filled resignation forms, and I didn't know anything about this. But the union went with the employer to discuss the case. I'm afraid this is taking too long. It's been going on since the end of February. Yeah, this is another sad uh, indictment of some they, of the how trade can they, unions. How can somebody actually forge your signature as if to say you've well, resigned? Yeah, well, yeah, they do. People do that. I have seen that. Let me tell you another very interesting story, intriguing, um, and I got really upset. Uh, a small business owner came to see me about two years ago, and he said he's overcome all the problems of the labor law. I said, well, how did you do that? He said, no, he's worked out the secret. And the secret is, every time someone comes to get a job with him, he gets them to sign their application form, 
the employment contract and a blank letter of resignation. Gets him to sign it. He then takes those documents and he puts it in his safe. And when he doesn't want anyone with him anymore, he then pulls out the resignation letter and fills in the date. And then sends him another note saying, I accept your resignation. Now, <coughs> that is nice. fraud. Absolute fraud. And this is the same again what we've just heard here tonight. Where someone forges your signature on a resignation letter. What he must do is raise a urine cry immediately. But he says it that the union like, are talking to the employer. Yeah, but, but that doesn't look like they've done that. No, no, they, no. they, they've, they've actually dropped him. They believe the employer. He must move quickly because he's already out of time. But he must, uh, I think, he must individually approach the CCMA and tell them the story and then apply for condemnation. And the union will have to explain what they've been doing for the last three months. So just bypass the union, go straight got to the CCMA They're, they're not going to do anything. That That's already three months old. I mean, that's horrific. Well, it's been going on since February 9 May. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so go to the CCMA, explain and, the story, apply for condemnation. Condemnation is basically because you've... Uh, we spoke about this on yeah, one of the 30, shows before. You, you love this, your time yeah. limits. Everything has a time limit. Correct. And this is one of them. So and things have to happen quickly. That's exactly it. So now you have to go and tell them why you let. And bypass the union quickly. Mm. And then the union will have yeah. to explain what they've been doing since February. Right, Sia says, what happens if I'm in a new job and your boss asks you to perform tasks and duties contrary to those specified in the job advert and the employment contract? What recourse do I have? Well, once again, that could be an unfair labor practice. Um, I often explain to clients of mine who come into the law firm that they mustn't be fastidious about their job description. In other words, if there's no sweeping up your office in your job description and the, one of the employers comes in and says, this is filthy, this office, uh, don't you ever clean it, you can't say, that's not my job description, just do it. So I tell people, don't uh, fastidiously look at your job description and say, well, my description doesn't say I must come to work clothed, so I'm not going to come <laughs> naked tomorrow. You've got to be, you've got to get, there's a bit of give and take in employment. And of course, all of us are, you know, grateful to have jobs. Pretty much. So you don't want to be too over cautious about what you've been asked to do. But if it's something that's really not in your job description, uh, you've come to work there as a bricklayer and everyone then says you've got to start painting for the next two weeks. I can understand that, and then you can raise the grievance internally. If that doesn't work, you can go to your bargaining council. Right. Okay. Tabile says, how many leave days does a is a security officer entitled to under our labor law? Yeah, this is the same. Obviously, there's the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, which um, governs all the, the leave entitlement, which is 30 days over a three-year cycle. But again, the security industry regulatory authority does give for a certain amount of service. It gives extra leave. Um, it has been negotiated in terms of that industry. And my suggestion, once again, is to get hold of the security industry regulatory authority. This is the second question we've had on mm. that tonight for the security industry. Uh, but there are, there are booklets produced. And if you're in the security industry, you have to be registered with CIRA. They all are registered officers. You're entitled to phone them, go visit them, and to get whatever questions you need answered by them. Um, it is good because they have inspectorate. 
and then Spectrate will come and investigate that business. Again, they don't have to tell your name. Just say, listen, this is who I am. This is how much leave I'm getting, and I don't think it's right. Right, so Bile also has some more questions. He wants to know, um, one, obviously asked about the leave, and then he wants to know about the procedure to be followed when lodging a complaint at the CCMA. What needs more information on that? And also says, is it possible to get assistance from the CCMA when I'm struggling to get my Provident Fund money? Well, the Provident Fund money would only be given to him once he's left. Hmm. So, yes, uh, he could do that. Through the CCMA? Through the CCMA, he could go there and raise a grievance. Um, I think that the best uh, for him to do is to go in and speak to them uh, because they might then refer him to the actual company that runs the Provident Fund. It's very seldom your employer. Um, so that's actually outside the employment realm once you've left. Um, the employer does have to give you a certificate saying that you've left and, and fill it in and help help you access it. Um, yes, in terms of the CCMA, you must fill in a form but they tell you how to do it. To go in, so they're I, very helpful. It's superbly helpful. Mm. Um, I often go downstairs in, in Cape Town. Um, I'm always on the sixth floor in the CCMA building, but often I go downstairs to the fifth floor to go and meet someone or speak to someone, and I see the inspectors all sitting there in a row helping everyone fill in their forms. The form is called an, uh, the LRA 7.11 form, and that 7.11 form is like the summons. But you needn't be scared of that form because they actually show you point by point what to say and what to do. You give them a brief description of what happened to you and then they guide you along through those forms. That's for the conciliation is the 7.11 and then at a later stage you fill in a 7.13 for the arbitration. But again, they'll show you exactly what... There's nothing to fear. And in fact, they help you fill it in. They actually write it down for you if you're illiterate. So if you have any questions on how the procedure to be followed at the CCMA when lodging a complaint, they will actually help you. So you they need to go in there that, and yes. they will help you with yeah. that. And I think it's worth the, the visit. And again, remember... And it's free. It's free. It's friendly. It's paid for by the government. And the people are highly qualified. They know exactly what they're doing. Most important, go and do it now. As soon as you feel something's unfair, go do it then. Don't leave it because then there's a whole condemnation thing and you're out of time and then, then it's a whole drama. You don't yeah. want it to turn out to be a drama. Right, Andrew says, I'm employed and I'm not going to mention the name, of a, by a transport company um, as a junior warehouse manager since November 2010. I've been charged and accused of stealing, yet they have failed to prove anything. All I want is the truth. I can't keep on paying for things I'm not guilty of. I'm working no less than 12 hours, but get paid normal hours and the same salary since then. Please advise. Yeah, of course, he falls under the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. <coughs> Excuse me. If, if in fact, he is part of a bargaining council, and many times they are part of a bargaining council, um, then he would be governed by those rules and regulations. He is entitled to, um, after the, the normal eight hours per day, is entitled to overtime. Um, he should investigate that. And my suggestion is that he does speak to the um, the actual bargaining council if one exists in his province. Otherwise, get hold of the Department of Labor um, and get an inspector to investigate that. And he says, I've been charged and accused of stealing, that they failed to prove anything. Yeah, well, they don't have to. When you when you charge someone internally at at the workplace, you don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So not in the high court or anything. That's it. What he does is they suspect that he's been taking something 
And if they show that at a disciplinary hearing that we believe on a balance of probabilities that he's taken something, then unfortunately he's found guilty. Uh, so they don't have to actually prove beyond reasonable doubt that he took it. What it sounds like in this particular case, they're deducting it from his salary. It's, yeah, because he says, all I want is the truth. I can't keep on paying for things I'm not guilty of. Correct. So that that doesn't sound fair at all. No. And that he needs to investigate. Again, he can go either to the bargaining council, if one exists, or to the CCMA, which does exist, and raise the grievance over there. I would raise the grievance first internally. Um, unfortunately, I know everyone's a bit scared because they don't want to lose their job, but it looks like they're ripping him off by making him pay for everything that goes missing. Plus not paying him over more than... More than the normal yeah. pay. Yeah. And he's working 12 hours and getting normal hours. Yeah. Right, then we've got a very long email here from Tandile, who, who's it's talking about... Um, she Tandile applied for a post that was advertised by the Department of Labor in the Eastern Cape, and to post the set of employee service practitioner for Butterworth and Port Elizabeth. Tandina lives in Utenhaag, which is in the same municipality as PE, but I applied for both. I was more interested in the Port Elizabeth one. The requirements for the post were, and it lists all the requirements, and basically the bottom line here is that at the end of the day, Tandili wasn't offered any of the jobs because Tandili is disabled and can't drive, and apparently one of the requirements was the need for a driver's license or being able to drive. But Tandile says that basically, I think Tandile is visually impaired um, and would need to travel and says, oh no, she has a colleague that's, that's uh, visually impaired. And there there's, could always be somebody else to drive. So it doesn't seem to think that that should be a reason not to get the post. Yeah, I, you know, it's very difficult, these, these situations, because you don't want to stand in someone's way if they are disabled and they you know, are capable of doing the actual job. But it is up to the employer to decide what the prerequisites, and as long as they're not making up uh, for the sake of making up a driver's license. It says it needed code 8 driver's license, yeah, apparently. Well, then, yeah, but you see, that's the point. The point is that it's probably one of the prerequisites of the job, mm. and you probably do need someone to be able to drive that particular type of vehicle, and that's a prerequisite of that particular job. Um, like you wouldn't have the same person then applying to fly a helicopter. So I understand the the uh, the problems that arise in this particular situation, but if you actually got hold of the employer, you'd then have them to give you a full explanation as to why they need that Code 8 driver's license. In other words, they don't want to employ two people, they want one. They are, as the employer, entitled to say these are the prerequisites. Yeah. And as long as it's not a frivolous prerequisite. In other words... Um, I'm got a, I want a job in Butterworth, but I now need someone who can speak French. Uh, that's a frivolous prerequisite because there's no one. You're never going to use your French. Yeah, Tandili says here the, the 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 argument around this is that in the advert it clearly states apparently that the Department of Labor's intention is to appoint someone who will meet the requirements stated in the Employment Equity Act, and that's the basis of the query now. But oh. it's, this is Code Eight driver's license. Well, you know, the and Employment co Equity concerns Act concerns it wasn't even shortlisted for the post. No, but she wouldn't be because the Employment Equity Act does not override the inherent requirements of the job in other words if the job says you must be able to drive a code 8 vehicle that's an inherent requirement of the job and as long as they can justify that it is necessary in other words this person does actually need to drive 
then they're not going to speak to her. It doesn't matter whether she meets employment. But then carries on to say, according to my understanding of the Employment Equity Act, if one meets all the requirements, the employer's responsibility is to provide reasonable accommodation. And in this case, a driver to ensure that the essential tool that the prospective employer cannot use due to his or her disability does not make him or her not able to perform. No, that's not not correct. That's a a misinterpretation of the legislation. It happens that if you are at the work and you're doing the job and you then have the disability that comes upon you, in other words, you've had a car accident or something's happened to you, they then try and accommodate you the best they can. If they can't accommodate you into that position, they then try and give you a lesser position. So that's that's the prerequisite. But certainly not in this particular case. If you're advertising for someone who can drive and this person can't drive, they're not going to even make the short list. They're not going to get onto any list. Even with it's the equity and all it that employment matter. equity, it's not going to make no, a difference. Okay. No. Right. Well, that's the end of the emails for tonight. And so if you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 2010. And first up this evening is Senzeni in Peter Senzeni, good evening. Good. Good evening, Karen. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine, Karen. You want to talk to Michael? Yes, please. Right. Go ahead. He's right here. Okay. Uh, my my problem, actually, I was unfairly dismissed by my employer. That was in 2013. Right. So, what I, so I refer my matter to the CCMA and... The award was for my reinstatement and back pay. But now the employer then told me that he cannot, is not accepting the decision. He is going to challenge it. Right. So, meaning he's taking it for reviewal. Right. So I went to the CCMA. I tried to ask them if they can enforce the decision. And they could not, unfortunately. They said my matter is, uh, I refer my matter through the other name of the organization. In actual fact, the organization was bought by the other group. So there was this thing of buying and selling. So I I ended up, they said I I referred the wrong company on on my referral. So they said they cannot enforce that decision. So what I want to know now is that, how long do I have to wait for this whole reviewal thing? Because the decision for my reinstatement was um, last year in May. So I've been waiting and I don't seem to, to, to be seeing uh, any way forth now. Okay. Well, and, what... and, 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 and the other thing is the employer also, he, he sent the application to stay enforcement. That was soon after the the award right so it's almost now almost what one year it's almost two two years it's, it's yeah almost two years now I'm, I'm at home and i'm not getting any payment and i don't know how long this labor court takes with this reviewer okay not two years you said in may 2013 in may 2013 it was an a decision for for the award of reinstatement I was dismissed in September 2012. Yeah, but you must count from the dates from May 2013. So it's been referred to the Labour Court. It's been there for a year. Is that correct then? Yes, it is. 
Okay, what you need to do, and I don't know if you have, are you a member of a trade union? Actually, I was. And are they helping you? Are they trying to oppose the application well, for review? To, to tell you the truth, there were complications between myself and the union. Yeah, that's a normal so, story, unfortunately. So, but I ended up, I ended up uh, getting the services of these pro bono people. Okay, well, they're normally quite good um, because they're normally lawyers with the pro bono people. I would suggest that you go to the, the registrar of the Labour Court um, tomorrow, if you get a chance, yes. and go find out what's happened with your file. Ask the registrar or one of the helpers of the registrar to let you know whether the file is open still and where they are in this process, and then take some copies of what has to be done next and go straight back to the pro bono people to find out if they can take the next step. Uh, I must just tell you, the courts are notoriously slow. Uh, so mm -hmm. one, one year is not completely out of the question. One year <laughs> might be that it's still they're still waiting for dates, but hopefully your pro bono people have in fact done the necessary paperwork to actually keep you in the court. Mm. Okay, so I would suggest tomorrow go into the Labour Court, get hold of the registrar's office or a helper of the registrar, ask them to draw your file. If you've got some paperwork, you might have a case number to draw your file, have a look at it and tell you what the current status is. They will call it the status quo of your case. And then they can give you some feedback as to what still has to be done and how long you still have to wait. But it doesn't sound completely unusual that it's taken a year. Mm. Sorry about that, Sanzani. Oh, okay, okay Karen, but uh, if, if you can allow me one minute. Very quickly, because we've got lots of other calls and we're running out of time, Sanzani. Quickly, what is your okay, next question? No, 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 carry, carry on. What is your next question? Okay. Uh, actually, I just want to ask the, the credibility of, of the pro, pro bono people. Because when I was there with them, it was like the people they were trying to refer me to, almost six, if not five of them, they said that, no, there will be conflict of interest because they are doing some job for this organization. So I said to myself, if so many lawyers seem to have this relationship with the employer, what, what chance do I stand in there? No, no, that doesn't sound right. Okay, well, just go straight to the registrar. And find out what's going. What province are you? Peter Marisburg. Peter Marisburg. Yeah, there is a labour court there in Durban, and I think if if you can get if you can get through to the labour court yourself, um, maybe you don't trust anyone, but go yourself and have a look what's going on. If you can't get there, then at least try and telephone them. They are very okay. helpful. Um, I've had no problem with the KZN labour court, none whatsoever. Okay. Okay, okay, Michael, thanks a lot. Karen, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks for getting through. Bye -bye. Good night to you. Right, off to Standerton. Bongankosi, good evening. Uh, good evening, how are you? Fine, and you? I'm fine. I just have got two couple uh, of questions to okay. ask. First, uh, I would like to find out uh, what would you do in the case where you happen to see that the person who was representing you or, or who was commissioning at CCMA have happened to do something irrelevant. For an example, 
there was a guy who was dismissed, I think, unfairly, and then he referred the matter to the CMA, and uh, he wanted the outcome to be compensated. And then when they, when he went to the CMA, and then they did not deal with that. They deal with the issue of uh, how much he was paid when he was dismissed, all these things. So I find it uh, 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 not usual. And then the second question will be that uh, if you are a driver and then you hit the sort of a gate and then the company says you must pay the damage, that is uh, going to be 6,400 some couples and then the, the trucker is going to be paid by them with an insurance. And then you refuse to pay that and then they take you to into hearing. And then on the hearing, the outcome says you have to choose whether you pay the the amount or you summar you are summarily dismissed. But now the the amount that you have to pay now is gone is gone up from six thousand to eighteen thousand. Yeah. Well, let me let me answer your first question. If the CCMA commissioner does something such as they start investigating how much you were paid or how much you're supposed to get paid. Uh, that's that's their job. They have to do that investigation. They look at the full ambit of the employment relationship, and normally the commissioners are quite well trained, and I can't speak for every commissioner in the country, but most of them that I have met, met up with, and I've been doing it since the inception of the CCMA, I don't normally have a problem with the commissioners at arbitrations, not normally. Okay. So I would suggest that you, when you're fighting those cases, you do need to be able to have all your facts. You must have your pay slips with you. You must have all your paperwork with you. Because the commissioners will ask all those questions. They want to know the full ambit of the employment relationship. So please bear with them and cooperate with the commissioners. It's not worth fighting with the commissioner. The next thing is, that sounds a bit strange that um, they make you pay when, they, in fact, they've got insurance. And that's been my experience as well. And we've had on this program, we have many truckers phoning in and telling us stories like that, where they get the, the truck gets damaged, they then get it deducted off their salary, and the employer goes and claims as well from the insurance. You don't think this is the excess, maybe? Yeah, but even if it is the excess, you know, normally you can't do that unless you've been found guilty at a disciplinary inquiry and then told to pay the excess. And normally what happens is the excess they can claim from... The other party, it might not be your fault. If you drove into a gate. Oh, well, if you drove into a gate, then possibly this is the excess. But you can't then threaten the person with, 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 yeah, with dismissal yes, over this. exactly it. You either uh, pay it or you go. You've got a choice. I mean, you can't give a person no, that, that choice. That's not. And again, there is a bargaining council for the, the trucking industry and might be worthwhile looking at it. Also, many of the truckers belong to trade unions. And I think it's also worthwhile... Um, you know, we, a lot of us uh, shout and scream about trade unions, but it's worthwhile joining a trade union and getting advice from the trade union and representation. And I think there is value in that. I always believe that there's value in being part of a trade union, then you're not standing alone. And often attorneys are too expensive to bring into minor disputes of this nature. So my suggestion is either trade union or a bargaining council or, in fact, the CCMA itself. 
Could I just sort of make a, a point here, Michael? Is it something you make all the time? But just to reiterate the point, if you do go to the union or the bargaining council and you take them your case, don't just hand over your case and then forget about it. You Correct. need to follow it up because we've had a lot of calls once again on the show from people. We had one earlier um, where a case has been passed over to a union or a bargaining council or whatever it is, and we're looking six months down the line and nothing's happened. Yeah. And then you're the one that ends up running out of time. You're the one that ends up with the, getting the short end of the straw. Follow it up. Always follow it. Hand it over by all means, but please do follow it up. Yeah, Constantly. It's your case. Your case. You must take ownership of it. You must do things. Make sure even if you become a terrible nag and you start shouting at people, you've got to get things happening. So my suggestion strongly is that if they, in fact, make, making you pay for certain monies, investigate it fully by going to a trade union, going to a bargaining council, going to the Department of Labor, and the CCMA. Before you pay anything or? Correct. Before you Correct. pay anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, just for a moment. Uh, they have already asked me to sign a contract that I have to pay that amount. But uh, the other argument uh, or point I would like to clarify is that in the first time they said uh, that amount I must pay, then the tracker will be paid by their insurance. Now, because uh, on the hearing they say that uh, it looks like I have done this deliberately. Delibera- like I didn't even apologize. So they uh, they also asked me to pay that amount for the damages of the tracker. So I think it's, it's something wrong going there. Yeah, no, that is, it doesn't sound right. Sure. It doesn't sound right. They can't change their mind. Now, have you signed that form already, Bongan Kosi? I beg your pardon? Have you signed that form already? No, I have not yet signed it. Okay, okay, now before you sign it, I think. I think it might be worthwhile tomorrow getting some investigation going. Are you a member of a trade union? Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm not a member. Well, you can join tomorrow. I'm recruiting for the trade union. <laughs> 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 I would like okay. you to join tomorrow. Okay. It's worthwhile. So you can join tomorrow and it's take your case yes, tomorrow? Yes, absolutely. It's cheap enough. I think it's worthwhile. To stand alone is not so. It's a lonely place when you're standing alone. Yeah. Uh, I think I think go join the trade union. Ask them to help you. Okay, sir. Before okay. you sign anything, yeah. Bongan Corsi, don't sign it until you've spoken to somebody. But uh, let us say if I was already signed it, what would have been? No, the it's a, it's the same. I would still say that you go and get hold of the trade union because even if you sign something, they can't make you sign something that's illegal. So I still think it's worth your while joining the trade union, paying now, your monthly... Now, now let me ask if they, they, they say the gate is for other uh, companies that are heated on, is it right or is it legal for me to pay that? Because I understand that it's illegal to be given a penalty as a... Yeah, as from a, another company. The gate belongs to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, that one I, I was under. I, I would have gone and understand it, but now is that why they are also charging me something that has they have already claimed from the insurance? Yeah, it doesn't sound right. You can't have, you can't get the company can't get paid twice. Yeah, and so it looks like they're cheating you. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank good, luck, good, good luck, Bongo yeah. Good night yeah. to you. Bye bye. Zama in Pretoria. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Hi. Hi. You're speaking to Zama from Pretoria, but really not really in Pretoria, but now I'm in Eastern Cape. My main problem is I'm happy about the guest. He's, he's speaking so many things that uh, inspired so many people. You know, life is something that uh, we have 
so many obstacles and people are sitting with every individual problems. And uh, the only thing I wish to ask from you is that let's, we South Africans, let's know how to treat each and every individual. Yeah. We're human beings, we are foreigners here, whether you are white or you are black, but there are people who are instigating things in people's lives. Somebody can be, like me, an example in summer, can be an educator. Yeah. Teaching poor children and having a mega salary. The boss who is employing you is driving in a very expensive car and is doing so many things. And the family is living with his children and his great-grandchildren, taking good care of them. And then you, an individual, who left your parents back home coming to search for being a pastor? Then you have been treated in a very bad way. But there's something I learned about the conversation of your guest in the studio. He's talking about employment equity and from there, I deduced so many things. And he went further to mention something about friendship and speak French and English. I am, I'm not advertising myself, but I am so perfect in French and English as an interpreter. When I came here, I became an educator. I just said, no, Africa is Africa. But I'm very happy about what I think, and I always follow SFM. But I just wish that I have a problem, and I would like to talk to Shapandolo, I don't know, and then even the guests, I just came in just now, and then my radio is always on SFM, and I like to listen to people, and I always like people to keep on with the show, and but just let, this, let South Africans understand that people who are in this country, that people who do evil, that people who do good things, the evil things, always, yeah. the evil things, the evil things always overcome the good ones, but let's, let's be human that if somebody's working for you, you must understand that that person has a responsibility. You can leave your house on winter, driving in a flock, even you are working on food, even you are doing everything, and you're doing a service to somebody who is enjoying back in his hometown. You can go and do that job and come back, you sleep home with an empty stomach. And that person, you go to his dustbin, you're going to find Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to cut you short. I'm going to have to cut you short, but thank you. Zama, thank you very much for getting okay. through to us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Good night to you. Yeah, well, we do try and help. We get lots of emails. Gosh, you must see my inbox on a daily basis from people who actually get a lot of good advice out of the show from you, Michael. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Look, I mean, what, what we have heard from Zama is there's a lot of misery and unhappiness out there and people are suffering. And obviously we're trying our best to help as much as we can. Um, and yes, SAFM have given us the opportunity to help people. So thank you for that. And we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. I really, I think we, we get, uh, and, and there are so many, thank you to all the listeners out there for all those wonderful emails and for the very kind words. They always say such kind things about the law report and uh, we seem to be hitting the right note here with helping people with their problems. And Michael, I think a lot of that's due to you, especially with labor law. That's uh, one of our most popular shows we do here is talking about labor law. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> It's, I think, ongoing thing. We should actually possibly one one month do a, a separate program on trucking because we seem to have a lot of truckers who listen and to truckers us. Truckers and security. Yes, yeah. truckers <laughs> and security. We must do a special program on the laws surrounding trucking and security because we would have a full program on that. But in the meantime, let's go off to Pumalanga Tabo. Good evening. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. I just need advice because I just got dismissed uh, about two weeks ago from my work. Okay. 
Mm, the thing is, I never had. I was working for, for that company for one year and four months. Right. And I never got any warnings. Nothing. My file was clean and clear. So I moved to Pretoria on a transfer. Within two months, there uh, there was a trade uh, audit that they made, and then I got a final written warning right. without even getting any first written or verbal or anything like that because I was working as a manager. So they gave me a final written warning due to them saying that my performance, my work performance was poor, and then within seven days again. I was given notice to appear on a hearing. So yeah, they gave sound. me they gave me the notice on Thursday that I must come and attend on Monday. So I tried to speak to my regional manager that I won't be able to make it because I'm still seeking legal advice. I even sent him the message Monday morning. Then he said, no, they'll carry on with the hearing. And then I got dismissed on my absence. So I was wondering if you can help me in regards to that. Is it possible that I can take my yes, yes, it is. Let me let me tell you that it doesn't sound fair that you went straight to a final warning before you got other warnings. That's not fair. It's first thing, and then the second thing, which is horrific, is that they can't give you a warning for work performance, a final warning, and then seven days later, I don't know how you can improve your work performance in seven days. Uh, that doesn't sound right at all. Um, they can't then say have a hearing. One of your mistakes is you must always go to a disciplinary hearing or okay. performance hearing. You must never miss them, even if you've asked for a postponement or if you've asked for a lawyer or a representative. You must always go. And this is a message to everyone who's listening. Please do not avoid these, even if you feel it's unfair or if you feel it's wrong or if you feel you haven't been given an opportunity, still go there, and the chairperson will then hear your argument as to why you want to postpone it. Um, I know I've got to go to a CCMA hearing in East London next week. I want to have it postponed. I've applied for it to postpone. They haven't come back to me. I'm going to go there and argue for a postponement. So, so is that's, it possible that I can take my kids to the CCMA? I still think you can. Remember, you're now two weeks down the line. You've got 30 days to refer it. So you've got, okay. two, you've got two weeks left. Do not wait. Please, tomorrow, it's a working day tomorrow, refer it to the CCMA. You go there and explain to them, at least you're there in. If, your case, if you lose your case eventually, it's not because of your fault, because you're late or something like that. Rather refer it tomorrow. But yes, it does sound... Like there's problems that the company can't just, the, the merits of the case are problematic. They can't just expect someone to improve in seven days. Even if you were a genius like Einstein, you couldn't suddenly make it work. Now, can you be dismissed days. now like he was for not pitching up for this hearing? Or even, yes, though he, even though he told them he wasn't coming, but yes. he was looking for legal advice. That's, that's the point. They My can point still do is it. they can do it and they will do it because you can't miss a disciplinary inquiry. So that's You're, legal for them to do absolutely. that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So my suggestion is that you still got merits to your case, go and challenge it, but you can't challenge the procedure because you can't just miss a, miss the disciplinary hearing because you wanted to have it postponed. You can't make that decision. Only a chairperson can, and you weren't there to argue it. So that's yeah, cause, very wrong. Because the thing is, ever since I worked there for a year, 
That, that was the first audit ever. They never did any audit. Only the first audit, then the person was doing the audit, said he was supposed to come back to see if there's any improvement. But the regional major never even allowed me for the person to come back again to see yeah. if I've improved on the audit. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why it sounds like the merits yeah. are absolutely wrong, but you can't challenge the procedure now because you weren't there. So you need to challenge the merits. And, okay. and you've got a strong case on that basis. Okay, thank you. But, Tabo, don't leave it because otherwise you're going to run out of time at the CCMA. Okay. Tomorrow, or if you can't go tomorrow, wait until after you voted on Wednesday and go on Thursday. That's it. No, I'm going there tomorrow morning. Good. That's Good. It. Don't leave okay. it any longer than that. That's and good it. luck to you on that, Tabo. Okay, thanks. Thanks for getting through to us. You're listening to SAFM, and this is The Law Report. I am Willis Mkuno, MEC for Transport, Community Safety and Liaison in Wazul Natal. The year 2014 is a historical milestone. We celebrate our 20 years of freedom and democracy. The department has worked hard to improve people's lives in rural communities. Since 1994, we have upgraded 1,275 kilometers of gravel roads into tar. That is more than the return distance from Devon to Pretoria. We further constructed 403,000 of new gravel roads in rural communities. Communities. We take pride that we also built 99 vehicle bridges and 85 pedestrian bridges. This has created easy access for communities and linked our people with important amenities. This has ensured that citizens are safe facing flooding rivers. More than 209,000 women-headed households benefited through Zimbabwe Poverty Alleviation Program. These are indeed great stories to tell. Let us continue to work together to move South Africa forward. Wasulu Natal is today a much better province than it was before 1994. The Law Report with Karen Key. So you're listening to The Law Report and we've got about a minute left, Michael, before we have to start signing off. So some tips for the listeners. Once again, time. And right. just as a reminder, that when we had that last chat, we spoke about CCMA rules and Labour Court rules. And one of the things that this involved was time. Correct. Time is always the essence of all these cases. When you think something wrong, speak up. Speak up quickly and go to the complaints bureau, wherever they are, the CCMA, the Bargaining Council, the Department of Labor, even an internal grievance. Do it rather than waiting for a long time. If you have given it for someone else to do, like a trade union or a shop steward, follow up. How Don't long? Wait. How long should you wait before you start nagging? I would. I would wait two or three days and start. Oh, that's nagging. that short. Yeah, that's okay. short because people. I was going to say a week. Of, okay, no. but you with me. Okay, two days. That's oh. it. And look. Also, what come, has come out loud and clear is that jobs is a precious commodity. If you have a job, protect it. Don't say I'm not going to do something. Please listen to your employer and don't be argumentative because. Only a few of us have jobs, and so it's a precious commodity. We need to move forward in this country, and the only way we're going to move forward is that everyone sticks to their job and keeps it. Uh, those that haven't got jobs, uh, we, we wish you luck. We obviously would wish everyone to have a job because that gives you dignity. Well, good advice there, Michael. Thank you very much, and thanks once again for joining me on the show this evening. 
Thank you, and thanks for having me back again. My guest this evening, Michael Bagram. He's the Practicing Managing Partner at Bagram's Attorneys, Labour Law Specialist here in Cape Town, and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report Programme. And Michael will be back with us again on Monday, the 2nd of June. And remember, there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. If you'd like any of those, post a message on Facebook, but please remember to include your email address so I can send them to you, or you can email me on law at safm.com co.za and I will send you the list and you can choose from that what you'd like. The Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10 and a reminder that the email address law at safm.co.za and the Facebook page law on SAFM.